The date is Friday, March 11th, and you're listening to Entertain This, a thought-provoking podcast encapsulating all things entertainment. On this episode, it's another throwback to the early 2000s, to a place that doesn't exist anymore, the video rental store, more specifically Blockbuster, and how this one-time juggernaut was brought down by a little startup called Netflix. So enjoy! Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to your favorite show on the internet, encapsulating all things entertainment. It's Entertain This. Entertain This. Boys, we're back. Yeah. Another week. We are. We gathered together, as we often do. I gotta say, and I mean, stop me if you if you disagree. I think that intro is getting a little stale, a little stale bread. Um, what do you mean? I don't know. I just, you know, I do it every week. So, you know, I've heard it a thousand times. So for me, I mean, maybe it's old reliable for some, but for me, it feels like kind of stale bread to be like the only show on the internet. You know what I'm saying? Why do you keep comparing it specifically to stale bread? It's just because that's good. Can be. You can use that shit for like French toast, breadcrumbs, breadcrumbs. Why are you guys not disagreeing with the fact that I'm saying that our intro is getting old? Instead, you're commenting on the fact that I am comparing it to stale bread. <laughs> because, Alex, I'm deflecting. I don't want to answer the question. <laughs> Terrible. Do you want to do a different intro where we can just start it? The, like, point, well, the point that I'm trying to make is I've come up over the last week. This is my cold open. I've come up with a few other examples. Yeah. Um, and maybe we, you know, come up with something else. Maybe at the end of the day, we roll it right back around and we say, hey, let's stick with the original. Uh, but I would love to go through this list with you guys that I've come up with. Cool. Mm-hmm. Would love it. Would love it. Okay, the first Workshop one is... Workshopping on the podcast. Yes. <laughs> okay, so the first intro is... Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Three More White Guys. Three More We'd White Guys. we have to change the show. Okay. Yeah, that, w- that would require a whole brand change. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. okay. I can see it now, uh, though. And then Three I have... Guys. And then I have... Twinertain this. Double trouble. So... We'd have to have twins. Yeah. We'd have to find an, yeah. at least somebody who looks like the two of us. I mean, or it looks like all three of us, I guess. They all kind of look the same. Somebody commented <laughs> that before. Okay. <laughs> that just means one That's of us fair. has to leave. Okay, I like this one. Um, entertain this. We, re- we read Wikipedia, so you don't have to. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's a, that, that's a good one. You guys like, like that? that? It's varying yeah. degrees of accurate, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to your favorite show on the internet. Entertain this. We read Wikipedia, so you don't have to. Yeah, I think that is that is a good synopsis at, at the very least for my episodes. <laughs> Maybe we just keep it the same, huh? Okay, yeah. <laughs> Maybe we just go on Wikipedia and uh, we don't have a Wikipedia page, which is sad. Yeah, somebody should get on that. It's hard to get a Wikipedia page. I found that out working for. Did a, you try what, to get harder? us a Wikipedia no, not page? Us. Not us. Okay. It was yeah. a, it was what, a, what's harder to do? Get a Wikipedia page or get verified on Twitter? Probably get verified on Twitter, which is something that I've tried multiple times to do. <laughs> How do you have to get verified? Do you have to send them your driver's license or? No, you just kind of send them an email like, hey, I want to be verified. And then you have to wait. That's like step one. And I've never yeah. made it past that step. <laughs> yeah. Step one is them like checking to see if you have enough clout to even like verify. Oh, like, to even see if it's worth be, their time. Right. And then if like you don't, then it's like, all right, whatever. But if you do, then I'm like, OK, cool. Send us some ID and then we can make sure you're the person you say you are. Mm, okay. And send us three thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah. We want thirty seven thousand rupees. Rupees, okay, easy. That was uh, the Wordle word uh, a couple days yeah, ago. No, I got it. Don't worry, mm, I got that it. That was a couple days ago. It's too late. Guess what? If you if you were looking for the answer and you think it's rupees, you're wrong. It was a couple days ago. Yes. I already did that one. I think that was yesterday, actually. Was it yesterday? It, you know the work week just all kind of. I think, was, together. I think it was <laughs> the day before yesterday. This doesn't matter. We all love Wordle. <laughs> That's just the way it is. Eventually, uh, we're gonna have to do an episode on Wordle. Well, I did a quick this on Wordle. That's right, that's you it. did. That's all you need. That's why I started playing, and now I'm I do it every day. <laughs> Me too, dog. I'm with you. Hooked, <laughs> hooked. Is that a five letter word? H O O K. No, it's six. E D six. You you fucked up. All right, let's let's get on with the show. <laughs> so last week, Michael so kindly led us down the path of uh, of reality television. Mm-hmm. Some yep. would say. Uh, the cancer of the entertainment industry. Um, 
Others say that it's, you know, a perfectly good pastime watching those shows. And I think that we all finally came to the agreement that the three of us would thrive on such a show. We're still waiting to hear back from our uh, our agents, respectively, <laughs> yeah. about getting the three of us on a show. Um, I would imagine, like, each of us would thrive on a different kind of reality TV Doesn't it show? suck that you're really right? Re- I want to talk about that for a second. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's do it. it. <laughs> and then we'll get into today's topic. Because I think, okay, so Michael... Obviously, Michael's the big brother type. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. where Michael's going to thrive. Social engineering. He's a big brother. It's social right? engineering. That's where... Okay, that too. <laughs> but it's social engineering. That's where Michael's uh, tidbit is. So I did Michael's. Now, uh, Nick, you you do you do mine. Um, <clears throat> the circle. I changed my mind. Michael, do mine. Alex? Um, <laughs> Mr. Sending out. Circle. I don't know. <laughs> Honestly, though, I I feel like you would have a lot of fun with any sort of like catfishing esque <laughs> program where you were the oh, catfisher. God yeah. damn! Like not because I think like you would like you have experience or anything. I just think you'd have a blast. <laughs> not because you're a catfish, but <laughs> I'd have a good time. Um, yeah. Okay, I'll take that. And then I think Nick is the guy who would go on Survivor, and no one would expect to win, but then he'd win it all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What do you have to do in Survivor? You just have to survive, right? He nailed it. Yeah. Nailed and it. Not and get won. voted off. Yeah. Not get voted off. Well, and I don't no. think anyone would. Here's why I don't think anyone would vote Nick off is because they would all go to tribal council and they would all put their votes in and Jeff would be reading off the votes. Right. <laughs> Jeff. And then at the end of it, they would all get up and grab their torches and walk away. And throughout all of this, Nick would have been sitting in the back corner bench and his name would have never been called and they would have forgot that he was there and turned the lights <laughs> off on him. And that's how he would survive is by people forgetting he was also there. Nobody would form an alliance with him. He would find all the immunity idols because that's all he has. He All he wants to yeah. do is just go look for the hidden immunity idols. Mm-hmm. He would never have to use them until the very last episode where he would play an immunity idol against the one person left and he would win. I know it for a fact. Hmm. Yeah, people just kind of forget I exist after a while, so... I'm still around, guys. Don't worry. Don't worry. Michael called me a catfish, so. <laughs> catfish are pretty cool. Look at them. They have, like, the whiskers. <laughs> Not that type, buddy. No, seriously. <laughs> Do you know what a catfish is on the internet age? Yeah, yeah, I know what it is. I'm just saying, if, okay. you, if you had to be any animal, a catfish isn't bad. I don't want to get into what animals we all want to be. <laughs> What's your spirit animal? Let's get into that. <laughs> panda bear for me. They spend all day high off eucalyptus. It's awesome. Um... <laughs> So anyway, Michael took us down the road of reality TV, which apparently we're still on, but I'm going to try mm-hmm. to veer us off in a separate direction in kind of a, uh, a Rube Goldberg uh, machine-esque transition over. Because last week, a topic that we talked on for a bit, as well as reality TV, was uh, a certain streaming service that was creating reality TV. And that's <laughs> kind of what I want to delve into today. So... Uh, let's begin where all things start at the beginning. Uh, and let me, if I may, escort you young listeners and co-hosts alike back in time. Uh, for some, it wasn't very long ago, and for some, it was a lifetime. Hours spent wandering aimlessly through the colorful corridors of plastic. Pictures of familiar faces littering the faces of cases resting peacefully on a shelf. Row after row of repetition and design to draw the eye and the mind. Here, we wandered on weekend nights, searching for everything and nothing at all, waiting for a spark of desire to smack us in the face, a moment where excitement would fill us and we'd carry the plastic case to our parents and beg, please this one, please, knowing damn well our age would restrict us from this item, this magical, incredible item. This doorway into worlds unknown, stories we'd not yet been told, and friends that we had not yet made. With a huff they would agree, taking it to the man in the front and promising to return it within 48 hours. This was a simpler time, a time of physical knowledge. Um, What you had in front of you was what you had. If it wasn't there, then you wouldn't have it. This was a time of late fees, out of stocks, and not-so-endless possibilities. A world with one simple rule. Be kind, please rewind. (laughs) (laughs) But this simple time of peace would soon come to a head, quickly spreading into households. A new device had taken civilization by storm, an off-white box that could connect with a single user to a whole new world. 
an endless expanse of knowledge and entertainment that opened up to us, and with it, new ways of entering these magical worlds that once required the rental of a door. A new sheriff was in town, a no-bullshit type who had new ideas for the world of at-home entertainment, and that sheriff's name was Netflix. Mm-hmm. And he was about to start a war like no other. The streaming war. Ooh, hot diggity dog. I'm so ready. So sit back as I regale the tale and entertain this. Bum, bum. <laughs> I, I spent a lot of time on that intro. It yeah, yeah that was good. Shows. That was good. That's 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 peak Alex writing for you guys out there. Uh, I want to start with some questions just to get the conversation rolling. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what are your favorite memories of movie rental stores? <clears throat> the smells. Ooh. They all had the a certain smells, smell. The non-specific smells. It was. I remember. It's hard to put yeah. a, a finger on it, but they had a smell. Yeah, it was it was kind of like a stale popcorn stale. Yeah, smell. it's funny because they didn't sell like popcorn in the store. Well, maybe they did. I don't remember, but they didn't cook it there. So why would it smell like popcorn? Right. <laughs> Makes you wonder. I don't know. For, for me, it was really like I loved just walking down each of the aisles, just looking at all the titles of those all these movies I'd never even heard of. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, especially the ones that I knew that like my parents wouldn't let me rent. So I'd obviously <laughs> go walking over to like. Not the like the adult adult section because I don't think Blockbuster actually had one of those. They didn't, <laughs> but, but Family yeah. Video did. I know that. Yeah, it did. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, and even apart from that though, like the, the I didn't really go to. I'm still the same person I was when I was like seven. Uh, I didn't go to video rental stores or like Blockbuster to rent videos, mm-hmm. or, like movies. You went for video games. Video I went games. for video games. Yep. <laughs> exactly. I remember that. Yeah, um, tons one of my and tons favorite. of rental Nintendo sixty four cartridges. <laughs> oh my god! Jeez, yeah. Sometimes I forget the age gap between us, Michael. Yeah. <laughs> and um, sixty four. No, the, they had put games on compact discs by the time I was able to rent video games. So mm. it's like the original Xbox and the PlayStation. Those were the ones that. I rented and they were much easier to carry home because they were just like the DVDs. (laughs) Um, One of my favorite memories from a movie rental store is that we had a movie rental store um, where actually my sister ended up working throughout high school and they had a gumball machine. Ooh, and yeah, yeah, and everybody loves gumball machines, but there was a color of the week in the gumball machine. And if you rolled or if you spent a quarter and you got a gumball, you rolled the dice basically. And if you got the color of the week, you got a free movie rental. Oh, oh, that's cool. Yeah. So I used to walk to this movie rental place with like a handful of quarters and get like five gumballs. And then I would get a free movie rental and I would go home and watch the movie and then get sick on bubble gum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I ever like, actually spent any reasonable amount of time within a video rental store because I, I only think i went into one of those like twice maybe like five times but your, when, your family when, was the type who just went to walmart and bought yeah. a new copy of it yeah pretty much i don't know why that was but um <laughs> you just brought up another tangential memory about gumballs <laughs> go ahead because <laughs> i was in a, a great school bowling league we were very serious and i won every game by the way um but <laughs> after school, the bus would come if and drive were, you. If that were true, we would have gone bowling even one time. <laughs> yeah. I'm even one time good. we would go. <laughs> I wasn't very good and I'm still not very good. But anyways, the bus would pick us up after school and then drive us over the bowling alley, which was like 10 minutes or so. And Also, always... can just th- what a dope sport to be doing recreationally. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. do you know how oh, much yeah. I would kill to join a bowling league right now? <laughs> It's. I mean, they're that still out there. Sounds so cool. Yeah, you could do it. Yeah, I'm not doing you, it you've myself. got that. You've got that bowling place is right by you. Yeah, I know. It's great. I love that place. Yeah. It smells exactly like what I'm describing. <laughs> yeah, it smells like the '80s and '90s. We we were yeah. just talking about like smells, but every bowling alley you go to smells like stale cigarettes. Still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
But anyways, we get gumballs, and I think if you got a glow in the dark or something gumball, glow in the no, don't no, no don't shoot a glow in the dark gumball. It was something like that. No, <laughs> there's chemicals on that. I don't, I didn't care. Chemicals <laughs> make it glow, buddy. But if you got one of those, you got three free rounds of of play, wow. or something like that. Maybe it wasn't a gumball machine. I don't know. I'm just well, an old now, man telling stories at this point. <laughs> now we're all confused. Jawbreakers. That's what it was. Jawbreakers. Not gumballs. Oh, okay. Mm. Ooh, I gotcha. So much sugar. I love those. <laughs> you put them in your mouth. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. It was Blow awesome. Up your cheek. Anyways, that's so my let's, story. Let's get a little more specific. That one was kind of vague. But what are some things that you guys know about Blockbuster Video? What you know about Blockbuster? <laughs> I know that there is... I think still at least one actual blockbuster. And we'll talk that about that still one. in existence. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There is one. Yes, that's correct. How about that? Yeah. Um, uh, I know that the one that's local to me is now a pizza joint. Uh, <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, there's not, not a lot left. The blockbuster is not really a thing anymore. Their yeah. uh, big colors were blue and yellow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was confusing. Because when I imagine blockbuster now, I think of like <laughs> Best Buy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't That's know why, wild. but I see like the big yellow price tag. Like, oh, that was that was Blockbuster, right? To be fair, like both like angled rectangular shapes with blue and yellow. <laughs> yeah, like, and, well, and yeah, Blockbuster, yeah. Best Buy, double Bs. Blockbuster, yeah. Best Blockbuster, Buy. Yeah. It totally makes sense. Yeah, yeah. What if Blockbuster is just the starter Pokemon to Best Buy's <laughs> evolution? Yes, that could be it. Could be. Could be. Mm-hmm. Who's to say? Um, <laughs> just Blockbuster a video. Uh, was a place where you went and you, you know, rented uh, videos and video games. Um, usually people would go there to get new releases. I know the mm-hmm. last time, I remember distinctly, the last time I was in a Blockbuster video was around the time that 51st Dates came out because we could not get our hands on a copy of 51st Dates and we never went back. After that, they had all closed down. Oof. <laughs> Actually, I think now that you say that, I think my family's copy of Fifty First Dates is stolen from a blockbuster. Incredible. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not stolen. Absolutely they just incredible. went out of business as you had possession of this item. That's, that's really yeah. what happened, right? Because you didn't steal that's anything. That's true. <laughs> well, let's let's talk about the beginnings of Blockbuster Video, huh? Mm-hmm. I'm for uh, it. Blockbuster bege- beginnings can be uh, traced back to actually another company, the Cook Data Services. Founded by David Cook in 1978. Uh, The company's primary goal was to supply software services to the oil and gas industries through Texas, but it wasn't very successful (laughs) at doing so. Um, Sandy Cook, David's wife, wanted to get into the video business, uh, and her husband would soon study the industry and its future prospects. Using profit that he had made uh, from the sale of David P. Cook & Associates, the subsidiary of his company. He decided to buy into a video store franchise in Dallas known as Video Works. Um, hmm. When Video Works would not allow him to decorate the interior of his store with a blue and yellow design. Dot, dot, dot. Best Buy. <laughs> exactly. He departed uh, <laughs> the franchise and he opened up the first ever blockbuster video in 1985. Wow. It was that under late? his own company, Blockbuster Video Inc. It was that late, huh? It was that early. Uh, yeah. No. Is what I is what I think. Because I'm is thinking like, that is. You had like Laser. No, Laserdisc was later, but you had VHS and Betamax kind of duking it out in the early '80s. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, like, there there was a home video revolution already going on. Then yeah, all of a sudden, so there's a Blockbuster. it made sense to yeah create a company where you would just rent those. Yeah. I mean. I mean, like I, like I had said, there were already stores that were doing this and that proved to be, uh, you know, valuable assets oh. to just be renting these movies out um, because he had originally bought into Video Works. Yeah. Uh, so it's not like he was, you know, coming up. He wasn't reinventing the wheel here. <laughs> he he was joining in on a craze at the beginning. I was thinking like he, he bought in. He he bought low, <laughs> like he bought into the beginning of it. Yeah, and yeah. Then... He he as as they say in the industry. He bought into plastic. Oh. Um, yeah, he he was there at the beginning and he took he took it and he went. Okay. Um when he realized the potential in video rentals, Cook abandoned the oil industry entirely and began to franchise blockbuster video stores. 
And that's where we see Blockbuster uh, make its way into every small town supercenter across the U.S. In 1987, Waste Management co-founder Wayne Huzenga... It's <laughs> the best Fun I can name. do, guys. Huzenga. Can we add some reverb on that? Huzenga. <laughs> that's up to you, my editor. Okay. Uh, who originally had reservations about entering the video rental industry, agreed to acquire several Blockbuster stores. And at that point, the number of stores numbered about 19, um, which attracted Huzenga's associate, John Melks. Um, and due to its efficiency uh it was kind of an easy sell it was a a family friendly no porn image and business model kind of risky they were like we are not renting porn (laughs) that's that's our big thing okay yeah well because that was like the easy money like you knew like there wasn't there wasn't the internet really that available at the time so you knew Mm -hmm. people needed to get their fix in So, you know, there's like huge advantages to deciding that your movie rental store is going to be, you know, family friendly. All access. Oh, for sure. Because that is what eventually led to what we have childhood memories of, of being able to just wander these video stores without parental supervision Mm. because Mm -hmm. they didn't have to worry about it. That's a huge selling point to say, hey, bring your kids here. Let them pick out their own movies. They're not going to run into anything you don't want them to see. Right. Yeah. And like back in the 80s, that was huge because everybody was way more conservative. (laughs) I can just imagine like you walk into a block or a movie store and (laughs) you see like the box art on an adult movie or something like that. You'd be like, what? (laughs) As a kid, you'd be like, what the hell? They always had the little dark cards in front of them, right? You had to like, yeah, pull the card. And so you would have like a group of your like, 12 year old friends and you'd all gather around because <laughs> you're having a sleepover and one of your parents took you to the movie rental place and you would dare each other to walk up and pull it but like the mom would always walk around the corner at the last minute as like one of the kids has like the like paper pulled back and they're like what are you doing you slam it back and you run off that's a memory we all have we all share that that's so funny <laughs> anyway so yeah not having you know Images like that in your business makes it family friendly and makes more people want to go there because it's quote unquote safer. Yes. So Huzenga and Melk uh, utilize techniques from their waste business and Ray Crotch model of expansion to rapidly expand Blockbuster. And soon they were opening a new store every 24 hours, as is often the case with businesses like this. That's kind of how McDonald's did it, too, originally. Yeah. Once they hit franchise. Uh, And back then, you kind of didn't want to hit franchise. You wanted to remain a small family-owned store. Uh, It was usually a businessman out of town who came in or a third party who didn't start the company who was like, you need a franchise. Do it. (laughs) There's like a whole movie about it um, called The Founder. Oh, great I think it's on Netflix. Yeah, it's about the the finding, founding? Founding, Of McDonald's. Mm -hmm. Um, And it talks kind of about stuff like that. That's a, it's a very good movie. It is great. Check it out, maybe. Entertain it. Who's to say? <laughs> yeah. So those two took over more existing Blockbuster franchise stores and spent uh, <laughs> spent much of the late 1980s acquiring several Blockbuster revivals, including Major Video, which was another uh, Blockbuster-esque uh, store. Mm. So now they're picking up old stores left and right. They're like, all right, give us Major Video. Okay, give us, you know... Uh, give us video world give us whatever we'll take them all we're going to turn them into blockbusters because you know the the supply is already there you already have all the movies mm-hmm. so all you have to do is slap the paint on and call it a blockbuster and there you go hmm. so in 1989 nintendo attempted to halt blockbusters ability to rent video games filing multiple lawsuits <laughs> and lobbying the u.s congress to ban the practice and nintendo ultimately lost that battle, which paved the way for the future of video game rental. Can you imagine? Blockbuster was the first, and they (laughs) almost were the last. Jeez. Why does Nintendo always do that? I get it. It's intellectual property, but, like, now you can't even stream it on Twitch without, like, a special Nintendo license. I'm sure that's... It's more of a a thing around, like, Japanese copyright laws. Japanese copyright laws are very aggressive. Oh, that explains yeah, a lot. And they're like, and a lot of those companies are very litigious. Yeah, litigious. Uh, like, yeah, they take a lot of the same like approach to things that like Disney does uh, mm. in the U.S. 
I get that, honestly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can't hate them for it because they're just trying to protect their IP. But at the same time, it's like loosen up your. Uh... Yeah. At the same time, it's free advertising. <laughs> yeah. Like, like... Why wouldn't you want people playing your games? That's that's what you exactly. want in the end, right? Yeah. I don't know. It's a can of worms. Well, all seemed to be going well for the movie rental store as the lights went out on the 80s and the 90s quickly approached. In 1990, Blockbuster bought mid-Atlantic rival El Rolls, which was another movie rental place. Earls. <laughs> Earls. We never heard of it. You could because literally we say alive. any name there, and I'd be like, yeah, that was a place. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Sounds right. Well, it had more than 250 stores. So we're talking like, mm. we had this many stores, and now we've doubled it. Yeah. We've, we're di- we're, we've doubled it. Exponential we're more growth. now. So quickly, Blockbuster was becoming the place to go to rent movies. It was the only place left. Um, so in 1992, Blockbuster acquired the Sound Warehouse and Music Plus music rental chains and created Blockbuster Music, where they rented CDs. Hmm. And later, they would quickly see the growth of LimeWire because of this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, not because of that, but... <laughs> Weirdly what? enough, an internet streaming service. <laughs> um, in October of 1993, Blockbuster took... Uh, controlling interest in Spelling Entertainment Group, a media company run by television producer Aaron Spelling. Uh, Blockbuster purchased the Super Club Rental Entertainment Corp. on November 22nd, 1993 uh, from Philips Electronics hmm. for around 5.2 million um, shares of Blockbuster stock, uh, which I hope they sold because if they didn't, they made off with about 25 cents. Not much. But all, all in all, this brought approximately 270 record bars, tracks, um, and other types of basic music stores into the uh, Blockbuster fold. So by 1993, we're quickly growing as Blockbuster video, which started in, you know, 85. We're not even 10 years into this, and already we have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of stores across the country. Crazy. Um. Not to mention, in that time, it had also grown by another 160 video rental stores. So we're just growing nonstop. I own 35% of Republic Pictures. Um, so eventually that would merge with spelling in April of 1994. Hmm. However, as 1997 hit, a baby was born. His name was Alex. <laughs> it was me. That's you. Um, but a new player would also enter the game. On August 29th of 1997, Mark Randolph and Reed Hastings founded Netflix in Scotts Valley, California. Hastings and Randolph uh, came up with the idea for Netflix while carpooling between their homes in Santa Cruz, California, um, to work in Sunnyvale, California. Randolph uh, admired Amazon.com and wanted to find a large category of portable items to sell over the Internet using a similar model. So you can kind of see where I'm going with this. Yeah. So wait, so what year was this again? 1997. Okay. So this was like when Amazon was like strictly selling books. Yeah. Correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is like Amazon in its young ages back when, uh, back when our, our big boy, Amazon daddy, Mm -hmm. Jeffrey, (laughs) whose name I was was honestly afraid to say his name (laughs) on the podcast. We're just calling Jeffrey, Um, though now. (laughs) But he still had hair on his on his widow head. What? But no longer. He didn't have a lot of it then, but he had a little bit. A little. I gotta look that up. (laughs) I I unfortunately know way too much about the early ages of Amazon. (laughs) I'm sure you do, buddy. You went through all those trainings. (laughs) Oh boy! From humble beginnings. (laughs) (laughs) Young Jeffrey. Well, we're going to be talking about Amazon a lot because their story intertwines with the story we're telling. Um, maybe a little bit more than you expected. So at the time, um, he basically wanted to, you know, find something that he could sell like Amazon was selling. Um, and at the, you know, Hastings and Randolph had considered what it was they were going to sell. Um, and eventually they had kind of pondered the idea of selling and renting VHS tapes. Uh, but they kind of quickly rejected it, uh, saying that it was too expensive to stock and too delicate to ship. Hmm. But around that same time, a new technology was coming out, and this is when they first heard about DVDs. It was first introduced in the United States in March 24th of 1997. So if you want to know how old DVDs were, 
that's how old DVDs are. <laughs> <laughs> These are different from CDs, right? Because CDs were before that. You're asking me questions. You know, I don't have the answers to. Uh, if but only we it's had quite a fact possible. She'll be in here in a second. Yeah. So yeah, DVDs are introduced in the United States on March 24th, 1997. CDs probably were a bit before that. Um, But they they tested the concept of selling and renting DVDs by mail uh, by mailing a compact disc to uh, Hastings House in Santa Cruz. And when the disc arrived intact, they decided to enter the 16 billion dollar home video sales and rental industry alongside Blockbuster. Uh, Hastings is often quoted saying that he decided to start Netflix after being fined $40 at a Blockbuster store for being late <laughs> to return a copy of Apollo 13. Which is a good film, by the way. Can you imagine that, carrying the vendetta? He's like, I'm going to show you freaking Blockbuster. You take my $40, I'll take your whole life. <laughs> take your livelihood. Take your stores. <laughs> everything so so do you do you all did you all ever have anyone that you knew who was who used netflix like mail service i did yeah oh you did did. oh yeah yeah gotcha so my my parents were like the conservative parents of the group and so anytime like anything new technology wise came out they were just like no we're we're good we're good that's scary (laughs) we don't like it my it's mom like, so didn't even just use like, her credit card for online transactions until like five years ago. Oh my Wild. God. Like, I don't want Wild. it out there on the internet. It's like, all right, <laughs> whatever. So here's a, here's a little info dump for you guys. When I got a Nintendo Wii, Wii. Um, which hooked up to the internet via Wi-Fi, mm-hmm. it was one of the first devices in our house that hooked up yeah. to the internet via Wi-Fi. Crazy. Um, you couldn't go on the Nintendo store and download Netflix. Netflix no. had to send you a Nintendo Wii CD <laughs> that downloaded the game onto your Nintendo Wii so you could access Netflix from your Nintendo Wii. What? Yep, we, I remember we, this. We still, we still own that disc. Oh my God. <laughs> Wild. That, that thing belongs in a time capsule. <laughs> Correct. A shrine. It's Chloe. Gentlemen. (laughs) So the compact disc was released in October of 1982 in Japan and March 1983 in Europe, North America. And the DVD was released November 1st, 1996. So Nice. Whoa. Yeah. So it was introduced to the United States on March 24th, 1997, a year later. Yes. Yeah. That's crazy. That's nuts. It Thanks, sounds Chloe. like a long time. You're welcome. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> CDs came out in the 80s and nobody used them. They're just like, I'm going to stick with eight tracks. I'm good. <laughs> I don't blame them. It takes time to get people around to new ideas, you know? Yeah. Not to mention yeah. a CD player was like double the size of an eight track player. Right. That is a good point. So, well, and like CDs, hell? like when they first came out, like it was like that, that was kind of the same concept as like a single. Like you could only fit a single song on a CD. Mm. <laughs> And laser technology got cheaper and cheaper. So the CD cheap CD players got cheaper uh, as the 90s went and on. And they made more compact, mm-hmm. compact discs so they could get <laughs> yeah. more stuff on it. Yeah. Bananas. Um, Do you remember the 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 Nintendo GameCube uh, disc? How small those <laughs> yeah, were? They're like this, like three inches wide. Yeah, the itty bitty little. Tiny boys. <laughs> I always felt like I was going to break it when I put it in the console. I was like, oh, got to be careful. <laughs> so tiny. So. So Netflix.com launched mm-hmm. officially as the first DVD rental uh, and sales site in 1998, mm. one year after, uh, and it only had 30 employees at the time. It was a little startup. At the time, it only had 925 titles available, which seems like a lot, except mm-hmm. now it's way more than that. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, Almost the entire catalog of DVDs at the time uh, made up those, you know, 925 titles because there weren't a lot of movies on DVD yet. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. So Randolph and Hastings met with Jeffrey Bezos. (laughs) um, Where Amazon.com offered to acquire Netflix for between 14 to 16 million dollars. 
Okay. At the time, that's not bad. That's not bad, but their initial investment was 16, uh, or was mm. sorry, I think 13 million. Mm. So they weren't like doing too well on that deal. Right. Um, okay. Mm. Fear and competition from Amazon. Uh, Randolph at first thought the offer was fair, but it was Hastings, who held the 70% majority of the company, that decided instead to turn it down on the plane ride home. So. Hmm. Met with Jeff, got on the plane, said, we're not doing it. <laughs> and you got to respect the kahunas on these Netflix boys. Yeah. Yeah. Because Jeff Bezos was a scary guy back then, too. He was like, <laughs> well, clearly going places. Yeah. Right. That's how he yeah. lost all his hair in the deal. Because he just <laughs> he got off the plane. Just, <laughs> he, <laughs> he started ripping his hair out because he lost Netflix. It was right under his little tootsies. True. <laughs> so uh, let's talk about. Netflix model and how it worked back in the day. So initially, Netflix offered a parental model for each DVD, but introduced a monthly subscription concept in 1999. And that's where we start seeing the like, you pay this down payment a month, get all these DVDs that you want. Mm. Those old commercials that you remember. Um, one down payment a month, unlimited, whatever. So the parental model was dropped by the early 2000s, allowing the company to focus on the business model of a flat fee, unlimited rental without due dates, late fees, shipping, handling fees, or per title rental fees, hmm. which was like their huge selling point back in the day, if you can remember that. Um, in September of 2000, during the dot-com bubble, while Netflix was suffering losses, uh, Hastings and Randolph offered to sell the company to Blockbuster LLC for $50 million. Holy smokes. <laughs> It's like, it's funny thinking about that now, especially since I've worked at startups that have been looking at getting acquired. And it's like, that's like nothing. <laughs> yeah. But back then it wasn't. It was like right. a lot of money back then. Oh, for um, sure. Huh. This is the moment in the movie where our villain and our hero meet on a train and they don't recognize each other. <laughs> I like that. And it's, it's only fair that we compare this to movies being what we're talking about. This is that exact moment. Movies. I don't oh, yeah. know who the villain is. I don't know who the hero is. It's up to argument as to who's who. But what I will say is this is the moment where Hastings and Randolph went to Blockbuster and said, take our company. We don't know what to do with it, please. And Blockbuster said no. Ooh. <laughs> can you imagine an alternate and universe? that's the day netflix or that's the day blockbuster died yeah pretty much right <laughs> can you imagine an alternate universe where blockbuster owned netflix they actually thought that this offer was a joke what and they laughed it off and declined it saying that the dot-com hysteria was completely overblown which you know might have been true at the time yeah well, let's ask an expert. Michael, you work in internet a lot. What do you know about the dot-com bubble? You were around back then. Tell us about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so as far as I know with the dot-com bubble, um, a massive part about it was that uh, you had a lot of companies that were um, that were trying to like use the internet as their primary means of business. And that was successful for a lot of really big companies like Amazon. Mm -hmm. Um, however, the bubble part of that is kind of like when we refer to like the bubble in a lot of cases, like the housing bubble and things like that. Or the Danish tulip bubble. Yeah. <laughs> that was the, that was the original bubble. Was it? It was back in like the 1600s where everybody had bought into buying tulip buds, um, thinking that they could sell the tulips for more. But then when they finally all went to harvest their tulips, they realized that the supply and demand was completely off scaled and the value of the tulip buds went way, way down. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And that's pretty the similar. First ever like bubble. That's that's like that's kind of like just how bubbles work, where it's like market meets so high of a of a demand that people try and like match that to like unrealistic like expectations to the point where like the market itself becomes bloated mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. and in this case like while there's like enough internet to go around for everyone which is why people were so gung-ho about it oh yeah what wasn't around for everyone was money uh mm -hmm. So because of that, you had all of these banks that had invested so much money into these companies at ridiculous interest rates 
thinking they were going to get to recoup all of that like interest money on whatever gains these companies were going to get. However, you can only have one Netflix. You can only have one Amazon. Eventually, competition does breed a winner. Uh, and you're going to end up with a lot of failed companies, which means a lot of lost money for banks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I and mean, that- ultimately, it came down to um, Cisco Systems, which was kind of in charge of this whole bubble. They mm-hmm. lost 86% of their stock value. <sighs> yeah. Just like wipe out. <laughs> yep. It is absolutely nuts i mean it's the same thing that we're seeing nowadays with like what's happening with nfts for example there's an (laughs) nft bubble going on right now uh and there was like there was like the amc stock bubble and there was the gamestop bubble all of that happened in like the last three years which is absolutely insane. yeah just just like when you're blowing bubbles you got little itty bitty bubbles and sometimes you got big old bubbles well i mean no that's exactly why they're called bubbles is because when you're blowing in them you're adding pressure adding pressure adding pressure and in a moment it's gonna pop and drop yep pop can't float forever and drop it Drop the stock. It pops. Drop it. That's that song was so, about. <laughs> so long term, Blockbuster was right <laughs> that the dot com hysteria was completely overblown. What they were wrong about was that Netflix wasn't going to lose the dot com yeah. bubble. Um, it wasn't going to be. Basically, Blockbuster thought Netflix was just trying to sell them the website. Mm. Like, hey, why don't you guys become Netflix? And Blockbuster was like, no, we did. We have Blockbuster.com. We don't need you. Uh, but they were trying to sell the entire idea of the company, which at a certain point would have saved Blockbuster from its eventual doom. Mm-hmm. So uh, shortly after this happened, Blockbuster would see financial decline that would eventually lead to bankruptcy after failing to launch, get this, their own streaming platform. <laughs> Come on, Blockbuster. Was there ever... <sighs> at, at one point, there was a Blockbuster streaming platform that was off their website and nobody took part in it <laughs> no because everybody was already signed up for netflix yeah huh what year what year did they come out with it um it's a good question i don't know <laughs> it failed i'm gonna guess it yeah, was... i think it was 2007 yeah that, that'd be a safe oh guess. that's way too late yeah too little yeah. too late no so, um even later I just found it. Uh, September 2011. Oh, <laughs> no. And they, and they did it with uh, they did it with a deal with Dish Network. Uh, and they did a blockbuster movie pass. So they made like every wrong decision. Dish. We're going to get into all of that here very soon. So keep all of that in mind. My yeah. goodness. 2011. But what, what did happen in 2007 was um, the company launched a streaming media service, uh, Netflix being that uh, that company, um, mm-hmm. introducing video on demand via the internet. So this was, in 2007 was actually the first time they were like, you don't have to order your DVDs online and wait for them to be mailed to you. You can just straight up download them and watch them. <sighs> um, however, at the time it only had 1,000 films available for streaming uh, and it had 70,000 available to rent through DVD. So not a lot of people saw the uh, the benefit in just downloading when they could just keep renting. Mm-hmm. Um, the company had for some time considered offering movies online, but it was only in the mid-2000s that the data, speeds, and bandwidth costs had improved mm-hmm. su- sufficiently to allow customers to download movies from the net. Broadband. Uh, yeah. That's when we started getting away from beep, boop, beep, 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 <laughs> I remember how much of a struggle it was just to get games to load on like cartoonnetwork.com. I could yeah. not imagine trying to watch a whole movie. And then your mom would pick up the phone and it would turn off. Yeah. And, and you'd like, lose mom, all your progress and it'd be mom. so mad. Rage quit. Or like, like you'd be downloading mom, something because off of you, wire. my Neopet <laughs> is going to die. My, my Webkins is dead, mom. <laughs> <laughs> That's cute. so let's talk about how they were gonna do this because downloading from the internet wasn't at the time as easy as it sounds you couldn't stream it to a smart tv if you downloaded it you had to then like play it either on your computer which if you remember correctly you had shitty ass speakers (laughs) 
or you would have to download it onto a DVD and then you would have to stick it in your DVD player that way. And it's kind of shady. Yeah. Um, so really how you were supposed to do it was watch it off your computer, which wasn't really an option. Mm-hmm. Um, so the original idea was actually something called the Netflix box, uh, which Ooh. was an itty bitty tiny computer that you would sit next to your TV and could download movies overnight. Oh, it took, because that's how long it took to download a whole movie mm-hmm. at the time. <laughs> I vaguely remember. Oh, I remember. Started, actually. I remember. <laughs> yeah. So they'd be ready to watch the next day, but you would basically start the download, and then you'd be like, "Tomorrow, I'm gonna watch The Crudes, and it's gonna be great." <laughs> I remember yeah. that. I remember how long it took to download uh, the Adam Sandler remake of The Longest Yard. Oh, you poor thing. With <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> every minute. <laughs> yeah. I hit I hit the the download button on uh, LimeWire. And saw the thing tick up to twenty hours. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to be able to do anything <laughs> for a while. Seating and then go <laughs> right, through the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. So by 2005, Netflix had acquired movie rights and designed the box and service. They were like, we're ready, we're going to go. But after witnessing how popular their streaming or certain streaming services, such as YouTube, oh. which was also getting big at the time, um, seeing how popular YouTube had become. Despite lacking the high-definition content, the concept of using hardware devices was scrapped and replaced with the streaming concept that we now know and love. Hmm. So let's jump forward to some of the stuff that we've already kind of familiarized our audience with. In January of 2011, Netflix introduced a Netflix button to certain remote controls. Took you straight to Netflix. I actually have one of those on my remote control saying right here with me. Um, (laughs) Netflix also became the largest source of internet streaming traffic in North America, beating out YouTube. Um, (laughs) It was about 30% of traffic during peak hours on the internet overall. (laughs) Just crazy. Uh, On July 12th of 2011, Netflix announced that it would separate its existing subscription plans into two separate plans, one covering streaming and the other covering the DVD rental that was still going on in 2011. Are you kidding me? (laughs) I did not think it was still going on back then. Why not? <laughs> yeah, no, I knew. I was, I had, my my uncle, uh, he, he still used it. <laughs> yeah, I'd see those like, uh, did they come in red envelopes? Is that what they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I remember them sitting out on the counter. I'd be like, mom and dad ordered another video. That's pretty cool. Oh, wonder what, wonder what video we're going watch. It's <laughs> Lion King again. Great. <laughs> I don't know. Um, So the cost for the streaming would be $7.99 a month. Uh, And the DVD rentals would stay the same price. Uh, In September of 2011, Netflix announced a content deal with DreamWorks Animation. So they were getting Shrek and all the (laughs) DreamWorks movies, basically. And everybody was losing their goddamn mind because they were like, we get to stream Shrek now, which is sweet. Very nice. Uh, In September of 2011, Netflix expanded to 43 countries in Latin America. And on September 18th of 2011, Netflix announced its intentions to rebrand and restructure its DVD home media rental service as an independent subsidiary called Quickster, which failed and they completely defunct it. <laughs> it did not work out. If anybody's curious as to if you can still rent uh, DVDs through Netflix, you absolutely can. It's called like Netflix DVDs and you can totally still do it. <laughs> um, yeah, you'd still get DVDs through Netflix in case anybody was curious. Neat. Um, so Blockbuster on August 31st, 2011, Uh, announced that it would be closing its remaining 253 Canadian stores and shutting off uh, the entire Canadian unit. Hmm. It was basically going under liquidation sale at this point. Um, Something that we are familiar with if you kept a close eye on Toys R Us recently, because that's exactly what they went through. So sad. So as all of this great stuff is happening for Netflix in September of 2011 that I've already listed, um, Blockbuster at the time announced that they and Dish Network would launch a new service called Blockbuster Movie Pass, as Michael correctly predicted. (laughs) Uh, And the Blockbuster Movie Pass would would compete with Netflix. So so uh, there is a little cherry on top to this. Go ahead. So it wasn't that <laughs> Blockbuster uh, partnered with Dish Network. No, Blockbuster yeah. went bankrupt in 2010. And Dish Network bought them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jeez. And tried to tried to make a streaming service off the back of the Blockbuster name. <laughs> Good luck. 
So for $10 a month, uh, the members would have access to both a streaming service and a game by mail service Mm -hmm. through Blockbuster. Uh, The package was only available for subscribers of Dish Network. um, And eventually, believe it or not, it folded. (laughs) (laughs) They were not able to keep that going. Wasn't there another like home delivery like video game service? Uh, I'm trying to remember exactly what it was, but was I think it, that was. Netflix. I think it was called Gamefly. Gamefly. Game, oh, I thought, yes. I was going to say Gamespot, but I know that's not yes. it. Yes, it no. was Gamefly. Yeah, because I remember seeing all the commercials, like pay yeah. five dollars every month and yeah. get fifteen games in the mail, and it was just like, oh my god, mom, can we do that? And no, <laughs> Gamefly <laughs> no. is still a very real thing. Is it? What? Oh yeah. Whew. Oh yeah, go Gamefly is still out there and doing it. I remember their commercials. Oh, but they they've broken into like not just like the rental side, but like the used video game side. Yeah, oh. correct. Mm, picking up the slack from uh, and uh, clearly GameSpot, that's what you have to do if you're learning like anything from these giants in the movie industries. Like you have to adjust, or else if you just keep the same model, you are eventually going to go bankrupt. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Hmm. So uh, on October 4th of 2012, Dish Network announced that it would be scraping all plans um, to make Blockbuster into a Netflix competitor. They basically were like, we're out. Sorry. (laughs) We tried. (laughs) Sorry that we did that. That was our bad. (laughs) On January 16th of 2013, Blockbuster UK entered into administrations um, and they appointed a new CEO uh, whose basic job was just to find a buyer while some stores remained open. Like, that was the CEO's only job. Hmm. Um, between November 6, 2013, and January 12, 2014, all 300 remaining corporate-owned Blockbuster stores in the U.S. were closed, and the DVD-by-mail program was shut down. Ooh. The Blockbuster official website identified 51 franchise locations remaining in operation in the U.S. in 2014, Dish maintained its video streaming service, Blockbuster On Demand and Blockbuster at Home, both things it was trying to make work, uh, until they were replaced by a new subscription service in April of 2015 called Dish Movie Pack. And in May of 2015, the CEO of Dish retired, and they basically were like, fuck it all. (laughs) (laughs) He was the only thing keeping it together. Yeah. Oh, man. Poor guy. So Blockbuster's decline was attributed to poor leadership, according to others in the industry. Um, Previous franchise owner Ken Tischer said in 2015, uh, Blockbuster, if it isn't already, is going to go in the Harvard Business Review for how not to run a business or how to run a business into the ground. (laughs) And really, it came down to one decision. Yep. Netflix. Whether or not they should buy Netflix. (laughs) Yeah, it's got to be a case study now. Oh, Keith sure. uh, Hoogland, who was the owner of Family Video, uh, which still exists, um, attributed poor decision making as a primary reason the company did not survive. I wonder what he is referring to. Uh, Jonathan Salem Baskin, a former Blockbuster marketing communication executive, stated uh, digital would have changed Blockbuster's business for sure, but it wasn't its killer. The credit belongs to Blockbuster itself. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, Blockbuster had, like, the brand name, they had the market share, they had the, like, every opportunity. They just had to go digital. That was it. Yeah. Make make a website. <laughs> now, now, as for, <laughs> as for Netflix, um, they were just getting started. Mm-hmm. Uh, next on the docket after obtaining popular titles was shifting their focus onto original content, starting in 2013 with House of Cards. The first mm-hmm. ever Netflix produced show. Huh. Um, I thought that was AMC. That year, nope. That mm-hmm. was Netflix. That year, Netflix would get their first taste of true original programming success as House of Cards won two primetime Emmy Awards on their first try. <sighs> Knocked it out of the park. Yep. Bravo. This proved to Netflix and production companies everywhere that internet programming could be successful. Um, you didn't have to be in movie theaters. You didn't have to be anywhere other than just sitting at home and you could still make content that people engaged with and that more importantly made money. Hmm. 
With a win under their belts, Netflix continued to create new content, such as several series canonically linked to the powerhouse that is the MCU. Um, actually, in the news recently, they have basically expired those contracts for characters such as <clears throat> Jessica Jones, Iron Fist, Luke Cage, uh, mm -hmm. and most impressively, Daredevil. Yeah. Oh. Those are all going to Disney Plus, but those were all made as Netflix originals. Hmm. Um, it also worked to revive long defunct fan favorite programs, such as Arrested Development. Ooh. That is a good show. It's a great show. They yeah. brought it back basically from the dead. Uh, alongside that, they made a number of other just beautiful artistic pieces of media. Uh, they made Bojack Horseman basically Ooh. from scratch. Uh, Michael, you are familiar with Arcane, uh, oh, Netflix yeah. original series, um, as well as many others, uh, a number of reality TV shows that they've created that we've discussed. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I mean, they've got like their own animation studios. They've got their own like full production studio. They got like everything from the ground up. They're not just like buying out other studios or like paying other studios to make things like no they are moving like everything in-house they are they are making their own stuff now uh they're yeah. actually making movies that get about a two-week theatrical release and then are immediately uploaded to netflix yeah wow as for our old friend blockbuster <laughs> their story ends like many of ours will they settled down in one place they welcome travelers to come visit and relive a bygone era uh, the ben location became the last remaining blockbuster in the world and it houses uh russell crowe film props uh which john oliver had donated actually um <laughs> he would and in august of 2020 the location was listed as an airbnb rental for a 1990s themed sleepover on three separate nights in september um each were limited to guests strictly in that area due to covid19 uh, restrictions mm. But you could rent out this blockbuster. And if you look up pictures of it, there's like an old box TV and like an old couch. It looks like a 90s like it looks like a 90s living room in the middle of this blockbuster video. And you get to walk around and like pick whatever movie you want to play and you get to play it. And you all sleep in sleeping bags around this TV. And it's incredible. <laughs> That's <I'm> awesome. <laughs> if only. Netflix. On the other hand, continues to reign over the internet streaming platforms, though through the years and as the years go by, uh, we've seen many new platforms rise up to take on the same business model as Netflix. None have become so much a household name as the original, though. I mean, of course, we've had like Hulu. We've had pretty much every uh, network television channel has tried to launch their own streaming platform, Disney Plus, things like that. Um but Netflix has easily made its way into our culture, so much so that the phrase Netflix and chill <laughs> became a regularly referenced motto to reach the same heights as popular phrases such as What's up? and the ever famous Eat My Shorts. Oof, Bart Simpson. By, uh, Bart Simpson. <laughs> Eat My Shorts. He's correct. So in the future, who's to say that our kids won't, you know, look back and make fun of us by saying Netflix and chill? When the next new thing comes out, can't hate us. That's exactly what happened, right? You yeah, watch maybe Netflix, someday. You chill. That's true, <laughs> but maybe someday we'll look back on Netflix the same way we look back on Blockbuster now. Um, as we often say on this show, history doesn't repeat itself; it rhymes. Mm. Uh, as technology advances and VR technology takes center stage, maybe the 2D experience altogether will become obsolete. And if Netflix doesn't adjust to it, it'll fall to the same fate as its predecessors. But for whatever comes next, stick with us and entertain this. Very good. Very Blast good. From the past. I love that. <laughs> Blockbuster, where are you at? Are you talking about the Airbnb? Uh, yeah, sure. We're, are you talking about the company? Because the company's dead. R.I.P. <laughs> I know they're dead. I was just wondering if there is, you know, where's the Airbnb? Oh, the Airbnb? Is it someplace that uh, I can easily reach? <laughs> no, I think it's in Alaska. Gosh, darn it. Alaska? Nobody even lives Bend, there. Bend, Oregon. <laughs> oh, it's in Oregon. Yeah. Oh, that's not too bad. That's fine. So it's not Alaska. <laughs> I mean, it's still pretty out there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. 
The last blockbuster, which is a documentary, you can stream it on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> That's like textbook. So, is, it, is, is it a Netflix original? <laughs> I don't know. Textbook be the ultimate it? petty, like <laughs> so good. Hold on, Netflix original. The last blockbuster. That's just like I don't... insult to injury. They put your head on a on a pike outside their camp. It's like, look at this asshole. <laughs> I do not think that it's a Netflix original. Aww. That's good. Whew. That's good. That would have been the ultimate. Because then we would for sure know who the bad guy was. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> look at blockbuster. Look at these idiots. <laughs> that was a. Anyway, that's that's my episode for this week. In case it wasn't clear, that's all I got. <laughs> Yeah, oh, so I, I couldn't tell. I thought you had like another twenty minutes in there. Yeah, no, I don't think so. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say the end and then close a book and go to bed or something. Oh, fuck, I have a book, <laughs> and that's the end of Blockbuster's story. And now you know the rest of the story. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, you got to quick this for us. What's up? I do. I do. What's going on, I'm boy? So glad. Yeah. Uh, I, every time I do that, it's like jumping off a ledge and not knowing if like I have my bungee on. Is the parachute gonna work? I don't know. I'm like, you got. I'm waiting for one day where one of you guys are like, my hmm. But you what? Yeah. I'm pretty sure that happened in some of our earlier episodes, <laughs> and nobody ever found out about it. My hmm. It's like, uh, so excuse me, please. What? <laughs> my. My yeah, because there were definitely times where I think I remember coming up with my quick this on the spot. <laughs> is, is this one of those times? Be honest. No, I, I have a topic in mind, but I'm going to let it be kind of like a. Uh, it's not scripted. It's candid. Yeah. It is, yeah, 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 yeah. Camera. That's what he needs. Yeah. He needs a timer. Give, Get this man a timer. Oh, wait, I got to. We got to do the. Uh, are you ready, sir? Yes, sir. Okay. Ready, set, go. All right. Dope. So <laughs> I wanted to spend a little bit of time uh, talking about the thing that I have been engrossed in for the last week. Now, this Elden is going Ring. to be an introduction and kind of like a first impressions take on it. So later on, at some point, after I've put a lot more time into the game, I'm going to get Elden a, Ring. Yeah, it, yeah, Alex, it is oh, Elden shut Ring. Up. <laughs> this, this is part 0. 0.5 to... My eventual episode on Elden. Ring. I just love these guys, and I think they're so talented. And <laughs> <laughs> That's what he likes so, to say. <laughs> as as we've discussed previously on the show, I'm a huge fan of From Software's games. They are like the exact thing that appeals to me for just that ultimate feeling of like discovery from the absolute like masterclass of level design that they have, all the way to that like part about fighting bosses that just take so much patience and time and effort to overcome and just that feeling of satisfaction that you get at the end. Elden Ring is the latest introduction to From Software's catalog and it is unequivocally so far the best entry in it. Uh and this is taking into account classics like Dark Souls Dark Souls 2, uh, uh, Bloodborne, <laughs> Dark Souls Demon Class Souls 6. Yeah. Uh, like it's Mike Tyson's punch out. Well, <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, like the original Dark Souls came out now, like I think like over 15, like 10, 15 years ago. Guys, are we old? Yeah. yeah. Guys, are we old? <laughs> yeah. Is the original Halo our punch out? Yeah. <laughs> it is. <Aww. laughs> or, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's like Mario 64. <laughs> <laughs> that's a critical hit. Maybe for yeah. you, I wasn't alive then. Oh. And 64. <laughs> and now you know the rest of the story. <laughs> <laughs> now go to bed. <laughs> but anyways, so yeah, Elden Ring is just an incredible game. I mean, if you were to take a look at like anything about it on the internet for the last week, it's just getting 10 out of 10 out of 10 out of 10 out of 10 everywhere you look. Every single reviewer and person that picks this up is having an incredible time. And well, Michael, what's the story? Uh basically, Spoilers. the story so far is you are a kind of follows a lot of the same patterns that Dark Souls follows. You are an <laughs> Uh, what's called a tarnished Elden Ring is a world that was graced by what was the, known as the Elden Ring, a golden uh, p a golden object that was formed from the golden Erd tree, kind of like Yggdrasil. Are we talking 
Are we talking ring like the one ring or ring like Halo ring? Kind of like the one. As far as I know so far, it was like the one ring, like a, a, okay. an actual literal ring. Mm, um, it was bequeathed to the uh, goddess Melania, Melania or Melchia. I don't remember. Um, <laughs> however, Melania. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and, and it, they established what was known as the Golden Order, which created this like ultimate matriarchy where the, she was ultimately in charge, had children, demigods who ruled over individual parts of what was known as the lands between. So and you mean a utopia? I believe that women should be in power. <laughs> He's smiling. He's Thanks, waiting Alex. for credit. <laughs> Somebody like his post quick. <laughs> um, but but eventually. Uh, someone broke the Elden Ring and people figured out ways to kill the demigods. And this led to the collapse of the Golden Order, um, where Grace, which is kind of like the manifestation of it, um, has abandoned the demigods. And now in an effort to try and reestablish the Golden Order, has come and found individual lowly tarnished because when gold tarnishes, it becomes less valuable. Mm-hmm. Um finds Tarnish reaching out for a last hope to try and reestablish the Golden Order. And that is where you come in. You are a Tarnished playing through this, trying to recapture the great runes from the Elden Ring uh, to reestablish the Golden Order. Hmm. That's Tarnish. Hmm. I like the metaphor here because Tarnish actually protects. Mm -hmm. It doesn't devalue. Actually, it makes things more valuable, especially when you're talking about precious metals like silver and gold patina because it it's a protective layer over the uh the actual like valuable part yeah it depends on the way you look at it yeah i like the idea that you are a tarnished but you're also a protector of this thing yeah which that's a that's a sick metaphor yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's it's this is one of from software's like greatest accomplishments is that they are so incredibly good at taking these high ideas of their worlds that they create and littering the actual like metaphors and the gameplay all together into one and outputting what is their best product to date Uh, as far as so far eventually here i've already got 50 hours in the game um (laughs) eventually i'm going to finish it going to work Nah, I've been working. I've just also starve. been staying up till 3 a.m. playing it every <laughs> night. Hey, what? In, okay. Yeah. <laughs> God damn. That much is true. But yeah. And eventually when I do complete the game, uh, I'll give you all a final look into how I feel about it. Yeah. Can't wait for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, whether you're streaming, renting or playing as of right now, Whatever is entertaining you, we want to hear about it. So why don't you reach out to us via our website, www.entertainthis.net. Scroll all the way to the bottom where you can suggest to us something you want to see us talk about here on the show. There's a little questionnaire you can fill out. There are easier ways to do it. You can email us, uh, entertainthispodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter. We are entertain underscore this. Our Instagram is entertainthispodcast. Or you can find us on Facebook, podcast entertain this. But whatever you do, reach out to us. Tell us what you want to hear so that you can entertain us and we can entertain you and you can entertain this. We'll see you all next Friday. Goodbye. See ya. Bye. This episode of Entertain This was written by Alex Steele with additional commentary from Nick Mustakangas and Michael Savoya. Our showrunner and resident fact checker is Chloe Price. Our theme music is Rush Bubble by Aaron Spencer with interstitial music by DJW. Tune in every Friday for new episodes, and thanks for listening.